Welcome back, everyone. This is episode eight of TV Channeling. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I put my arms up in the air too, like uh, on, the <laughs> on the Muppet Show. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you go for it, Kermit. Exactly. <laughs> we have had such a fantastic beginning to our second season, and this is episode eight, as I said. My name is Tachi. I am Kevin. And this is TV Channeling, the show where we literally channel TV and movies or anything that could be shown on TV, right? <laughs> if it's on TV or any kind of TV-like platform, if you're watching it on your iPad, we are talking about it. Absolutely. Way to use that tagline, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, so first of all, Kevin, how are you? I am great today, Tachi. How are you? Oh, I'm fabulous. There is so much happening in television, film, entertainment, media news. It's not funny. I mean, that's always the way, but for this this week, it seems to be especially active. Oh my God, there is so much happening. So Tachi, what is the first news story for this incredibly busy week? Okay, so this is this is just an interesting piece of news. Paramount Pictures is actually courting, if you want to call it that, Mel Gibson and John Lithgow to say, and of course, you know, he actually just won, and we're going to talk about the SAG Awards in a minute. So he just won for Best Actor the SAG Awards for The Crown. So they're now courting Mel Gibson and John Lithgow to star in the sequel to Daddy's Home opposite Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark, he, he'll always be Marky Mark to me. <laughs> <laughs> so this comes, for Gibson, this comes after the success of Hacksaw Ridge, which is nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, the offers are out there, and it looks really promising if they can work out the deal. So stay tuned. This is yet another piece of uh, content coming out with people that have won uh, awards, or not just won, but have... Uh, been nominated for awards this year. So. Well, there's no question that Hacksaw Ridge has done a lot to uh, uh, bring Mel Gibson back into the Hollywood mainstream. But I am actually curious to see if he's actually on screen in Daddy's Home versus directing something. Uh, how people are going to feel about him. Because to me, it's the same kind of issue with, say, someone like Woody Allen. It's one thing to see a movie that Woody Allen is directing with all the controversy that kind of resurfaced uh, a couple years ago with uh, one of his daughters accusing him of uh, molesting her. Seeing a movie he directed versus seeing his face, seeing him acting and seeing him on a press tour, It'll be interesting to see if Mel Gibson uh, ultimately ends up in uh, this sequel, if uh, how people respond to him being in it. If he could close his mouth for two seconds. I'm sorry. Part of the problem is he goes on these tirades and rants and doesn't know when to keep quiet. Oh, I love how you just say tirades and rants like he's upset about the fact that the water isn't cold enough. No, let's let's be let's let's break it down. Okay, like break su it down. super racist, super anti-Semitic, um, super sexist rants. So yeah, exactly. they're not I, just normal. Yeah, the water is not cold enough. Rants. This is some um, something's seriously wrong with you. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't run for president. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Shade. 
Okay, so I, I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about SAG in just a minute because that's going to take some time, but I wanted to slide this in. So we all know that the Today Show has been a staple for, has it been 50 years yet for the Today Show? I think it's Show? close to their 50-year anniversary. Okay, so they've been a mainstay in daytime television for nearly 50 years. And you know, for that first few hours of today, you've had uh, a couple of exits. There's been a lot of switching up and around. But Tamron Hall and uh, Al Roker have really been doing a good job of holding things down. In fact, they, um, because remember that, uh, what's his name from? Billy Bush. Billy Bush was supposed to swap out. And remember, um, Mer not Meredith Vieira. Help me here. That was a co-host who is now on Access Hollywood. Oh, I, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember that name. She actually was, was, we were swapping. So actually it's all NBC, but they were swapping out. So she was going to, one of the hosts from today is actually on Access Hollywood now. And Billy Bush was supposed to come to the Today Show. That got 86 when he, they, the tape came out of him egging Donald Trump on during that other tirade, as I call them. You mean, an, uh, you mean Pussygate? That, that, there you go. Exactly, exactly. So that 86 him. So, of course, Tamron has been holding it down. Al has been holding it down. Of, of course, uh, we see uh, Matt Lauer is, is still there. Um, so this, is, this has just come down. Melissa Harris-Perry, and we talk about our love for her, he tried to say that NBC was on some shady stuff when they canceled her show last year. Uh, Madame Noir said this. And, and we saw, we were like, what the hell? She was here and then she's gone. And then so there were people that said, oh, well, she took things too far. Well, maybe she, they, she wasn't taking things as far as we initially thought. So as you know, there's been talk about a shift at today. And uh, Megyn Kelly from Fox is coming over to, the, uh, to NBC and she has, she's going to have a new daytime show. So it's either going to replace the 9 or 10 a.m. hour. The network is also then getting rid of who? Al Roker and Tamron Hall's Today's Take, which begins at 9 a.m. So if Kelly, Megan Kelly's show is replacing the 10 a.m. hour, Tamron and Al could be able to stay. But however, sources are saying that if Megan's new show airs at 10, what they're going to do is move Kathy Lee and Hoda up to nine. Oh, so yeah. That, I thought there was absolutely no doubt when I heard about the idea that Megyn Kelly was coming and she was taking over one of those hours. There was absolutely no doubt in my mind that um, that Hoda and uh, Kathy Lee were going to be staying. I, if anyone was going to be showing the door, it was going to be Tamron Hall, especially because she's in a weaker state. If if Billy Bush hadn't been involved in the scandal and Billy Bush and her were together as a team, then they might have had a fighting chance. But if uh, let's just be real, if the, uh, NBC would pick Megyn Kelly over Tamron Hall any day, all you have to do is look at their paychecks to see who is valued more by NBC. And it is definitely not Tamron Hall, sadly. Hell no, it's not. And I love Tamron Hall. She's such a role model. I think she's great. And I actually think that Tamron and Billy would have made a nice team, of course, that you don't know what comes out behind. That's a whole other story. But I think they would have made a, a formidable team if they were together, if that incident had not happened. Well, so I'm really wondering is what's going to happen to Tamron Hall, period, on in her role at NBC. Will she be staying on the network or will she yeah, okay. be shown the door? 
She is, because you know that right now, because, you know, you can't trust anybody, but right now, she she has another show on MSNBC. But I thought that I had heard that that show was being taken off. The show that she has on MSNBC, where she has an hour, I forget what it's called, it's like Tamron Nation or something Nation. Anyway, what I thought that, that I had read somewhere that that was uh, going the way of the Dodo also. Well, that hasn't, that's not something that I have seen 100% confirmed. Because the thing is, we have, all, of course, we all have all of these, well, probably what will happen. Until the network comes out and says, this is what's going to happen, we never really know. So that hasn't been like officially said yep this is up (laughs) you know so we'll see what happens but this is why you gotta have a plan to the plan to the plan oh yeah oh especially dealing with nbc let's face Uh. it if you're dealing with nbc and especially let's be real if you happen to be a woman of color um if you don't if you don't believe me ask my for my friend ann curry she has stories for you too that, that's what I'm like. I hope nobody believed after what was done to Ann Curry that there was actually a fighting chance for it. Come on. Let, let, let's use a little bit of common sense, as my mother likes to say. So let's move on. Let's gracefully move to the next story. Huh? So again, yeah, to the next story. We're going to move on uh, to the SAG Awards. The SAG Awards. Yay. So you watched, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So what did you think? What are, What is your take? Well, okay, first of all, the SAG Awards, uh, after last year's uh, Oscar So White hashtag that kind of blew the internet up, there was such a, a there was such a difference. Even last year's SAG Awards um, had more diversity than the Oscars has ever had, and this year especially, there were so many great nominees and so much diversity, and there were actually some surprises too, which was really exciting. the uh, The win for uh, Strange Stranger Things completely shocked me i know that show had a lot of buzz but i had no idea that it was going to just take it to the hoop oh yeah i i look you can kind of tell what's going to happen for the rest of the season once the first the golden globes is like the first big award show so once you start to see the nominees not even who wins but just the nominees you know that there are going to be some of the same faces that you see for SAG, for OSC, for the Oscars, for uh, what the Indie Spirit, for a lot of these other uh, award shows as well. So, well, when it comes to TV, they're clearly either Julie Louis Dreyfus is incredibly beloved, or she has a team of incredible private investigators that have dirt on all the biggest people in Hollywood because <laughs> that woman can't walk anywhere near any red carpet without someone handing her a statuette. Good for her. That's all I have to say. I'm not hating on her. <laughs> oh, I'm not hating on her either, but because she's definitely she's got game. Something is happening. She cannot help but win. Even when even when she's not on a show, they just give her an award for being a person who was on a show in the past. She can't not win something whenever she puts on a. If she's putting on, if she is putting on any kind of gown or evening dress, she is going to come home with some kind of statue, pure and simple. So here's the thing. With Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she's just had the good fortune and blessing after Seinfeld to be involved in some really great projects. You know, there are some people that are on, on show, like Seinfeld was really a, a phenomenon. They still talk about it today. You can't see somebody with a, with a, with a puffy shirt 
without thinking the puffy shirt episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> okay, so she could have easily been typecast as uh, Lorraine. Wait, was it Lorraine? I think. Damn it, I can't remember her name on Seinfeld. Anyway, I guess it wasn't that epic for me. But she, <laughs> she, she Elaine, 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 Elaine. I was like Lorraine, Elaine, Elaine. Yes, okay, I know it was some aim at the end. So she's just really picked good roles or has been selected for good roles. And that's why she keeps winning. There's some people on shows that were great and epic, and then they just have not had the luck to have good projects. So this is why she wins. Oh, yeah. No, there's no denying that she has had incredible uh, the fortune to pick or, or the the ins. I'll give her that the insight to pick some good roles. But she's had she stumbled initially. She was she had a show. I can't remember what the name of it was, but I, I remember what there was a uh, she's the first project she did after uh, Seinfeld was a sitcom that was very unusual. It happened in real time. So the sitcom, every episode was supposed to be 30 minutes of this person's life in real time so even with commercial breaks the time was the time was ticking so the the episode would start with a little time clock at the beginning counting down to zero to the end of the episode so that was at the beginning and then when the show wasn't getting any traction they nixed that groundbreaking idea (laughs) threw it under the bus and then became just a regular sitcom for five seconds i remember another thing that was unusual about it was that her sister in real life played her sister. So um, so she did have a misstep with that. That did not last more than one season. And um, she did have some success with old uh, The New Adventures of Old Christine. But this Veep thing has just blown up for her and become it's become like, you know, uh, an Emmy Golden Globe SAG Award winning machine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. She's like, what's her name from? What's the name of that? Susan Lucci. Oh my, well, but the, the, that was the reverse. Susan Lucci was perennially nominated. She could not. She was always nominated. Uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And that, but actually, for her, that was a huge. That worked out because it made her famous. The fact that she kept getting nominated and she'd been nominated like thirteen times and not won. So when the time came and she actually finally did win, it literally was huge news. It was on the evening news. It was on regular news, entertainment news. It was huge shockwaves through the world when she finally got that damn daytime yes yeah well i don't mean it's exactly the same but it's that same type of phenomenon except just reversed (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's 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 awesome one thing that i was really and and not surprised about hidden figures uh got Outstanding performance by a cast in a motion motion picture. Have you seen Hidden Figure? Um, the funny thing is when you started saying like, "Oh my God, is she going to say Hidden Fences?" Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not that. I'm not that unwoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never call it Hidden Fences. All right. Well, no, I I know, but for some reason, it's so many people had a problem with uh, combining those two films into into one movie. Uh, but um, no, I have not seen Hidden Figures, and I haven't seen Fences either, and I haven't seen the sequel, <laughs> Hidden Fences. I've seen none of them. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, Hidden Figures winning uh best uh ensemble cast uh was that was to me an incredible shock. 
I was not prepared for that. I hope it means good things for it come Oscar night. I'm really excited about that. And what I was also really excited about was Viola Davis's win for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, yeah. And I'm not surprised that Denzel got Best uh, Actor. Best Actor for Fences. So, it, you know, and this is really, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first, there have been other uh, August Wilson plays that have been made into films, but this is the first time that it's actually won and, for all intents and purposes, probably gotten recognition. And I, I have a special uh, place in my heart for Fences because I absolutely love the work of August Wilson. And I think I told you that um, Steve Henderson, who played Denzel's best friend in Fences, was my college uh, theater teacher. Wow, connections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he he is a huge, he's a huge stage person and has really done a lot with the uh, work of August Wilson. And we studied a lot of August Wilson while I was in his class. So I have a special connection uh, to Fences, kind of. And I don't know if you saw Taraji P. Henson give that speech when they won. It was such oh, yeah. a beautiful moment. So beautiful. Of course you did, because you were watching. I thought it was such a beautiful moment. Oh, it was a beautiful moment. Uh, there were a lot of beautiful moments. And of course, I feel like Viola Davis. In fact, if I ever uh, win any award, I want it to be accepted. Even if I'm there, I want Viola Davis to accept it and give this inc an incredibly stirring speech. <laughs> and, they can, and the camera can cut to me wipe, brushing away a single tear <laughs> as she says something incredibly moving and that elevates the whole room. That woman gives a damn good acceptance speech. I love her so much. It's coming. Yeah, Viola is fantastic. Now, it's let me ask let me ask you one question. Yeah. Um, I am wondering and kind of a little bit, I don't want to say bitter, about the fact that she won for Best Supporting Actress versus winning for Best Actress, period, because of the fact that she's up in almost every scene with Denzel Washington, I believe, in Fences, why is he a, a lead actor and she's only supporting if she's on having as much screen time as she has in that movie? You are, this is why they pay you the big bucks because I had not thought about <laughs> that before. I had not thought about that before and it's really not a supporting role. So I don't understand why it was, um, uh, yeah, female actor in a supporting role. I don't understand why. Yeah, so I, I've heard before that there's supposed to be minutiae as far as in they make decisions about the uh, powers that be the, uh, from each studio make decisions about how they're going to market when they try to, you know, if you go to websites uh, that um, the industry uses, you can see ads for uh, them trying to lobby to uh, to get people nominated for different awards and that they made they must have made a conscious choice to market her to try and push for her as a best supporting actress because they maybe thought that she'd have better luck but it's just it's so crazy that that's supposed to be considered a supporting role and to me it's really not fair to actresses they're going to be up against her 
who actually are in supporting roles when they're not on screen that much that long that's what a supporting role is someone who's on the screen about a third of the time in the movie or even less versus someone who's in almost every scene in the movie saying that they're a supporting actress it doesn't seem fair to me to Viola Davis's work in the film, nor does it seem fair to the other people who are going to be going up against her who had much smaller parts because they were actually really supporting parts. Okay, Kevin, now you're asking too much. Look, we just got past this diversity thing. <laughs> we're just getting over hashtag Oscars so white, and here you come with your self-righteousness. They're not ready. <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened to them paying me the big bucks <laughs> for this kind of thing? You just, now... got, demo- you just got demoted. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no, you're oh, I'm going to have to cancel my Tesla order. Oh, <laughs> go get your $1,000 back. <laughs> <laughs> so any, in any case, that's about it for the SAG Awards. No, No real surprises. Because again, like I said, from the start of award season, you kind of saw what the patterns were. So I'm not really surprised. So kudos to everybody who won SAG Award. Congrats to you all. Yes, yes, yes. Let's move on. We have uh, a, probably one more story that I can get out. Okay. And so I, I better make it a good one, huh? <laughs> Since I have one more. Okay, so there is something that I want to mention, and I was remiss in not be, uh, mentioning this at the beginning. I'm sure everybody heard about the passing of Sir John Hurt yeah. uh, last week. That was really, really sad. He was such a great actor. He was in, in a number of different projects, of, of course, including The Elephant Man. Uh, he was in Doctor Who. He had, had done appearances on Doctor Who. Uh, what else? I know him best for being the one who the uh, the very first alien in the very first alien movie, the alien yes. burst out of his chest, freaking everyone out and messing generations of people up. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most shocking of, of, of film scares ever. And one of the things that's, that's really interesting about the making of that film was the fact that um, he and the director knew what was going to happen. The cast, uh, the rest of the cast in that scene were not told exactly what was going to happen. They just knew something was going to happen. And so when he all of a sudden starts going into convulsions, they didn't, they weren't told that was going to happen. And then all of a sudden the thing burst out of his chest. They were, that freaking out is genuine. <laughs> they were totally freaked out. It was, and when you see it caught on screen, it is so, that is not acting. So I will, always remember him for that 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 was that was smart on the director's part to be honest oh, wasn't that incredible reaction but you know what you could only do that take you once. can only do it once <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have 15 cameras placed to get everyone's reaction because you can only get that reaction one time he was an incredible actor and he will be missed we have lost so many good incredible performers recently we were on break unfortunately when uh we tragically uh the entertainment world lost debbie uh reynolds and carrie fisher so we didn't get a chance to celebrate them so it has just been rough we lost alan thick ron glass there's been so many people florence henderson just a, a prince it has just been like stop taking our stars god <laughs> You might not want to challenge God. <laughs> on, on 
<laughs> God, Kevin does not speak for me. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Tachi and I are very upset about this, God. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, so let me mention, I know we have time for just one more story, but I kind of, let me group some stuff together so we can get this in there. Uh, From 19 Entertainment and Dick Clark Productions, So You Think You Can Dance is coming back. They're holding auditions in case you uh, did not know. They usually hold them in Vegas. So they're renewed for a 14th season, which is going to air this summer. This is following the kid-themed 13th installment of So You Think You Can Dance the Next Generation. Oh, so they're actually going back to the classic, regular... They're going uh, back to the classic, because I don't know. I don't know about you. I wasn't a fan of the kids' ones. Oh, my God. I actually have watched past seasons of So You Think You Can Dance. I don't know who was out there clamoring for a version of watching, like, eight-year-olds in leotards gyrating. I don't know who was asking for that. And whoever was asking for it, I'm concerned about you. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think it was a good idea. I don't know what the ratings were like for it, but apparently they weren't that great because that's why they're going back to uh, what works, the classic version of the show exactly well in fact they said it was not embraced by the core fan base of of which i am one because i'm also a dancer so i watched because i wanted to see the core i know the choreographers i wanted to see their work and i think they executed beautifully on an 18 to 30 year old body not on an eight year old Oh, so. and definitely, it, it is, it's going to hinder the kinds of uh, stories they can tell as far as with, with the dances, the choreography, what they can do, what kind of music they can do. And even when they, when to me, when they dance kind of close to the edge about what they should be having eight-year-olds do, it was pretty, you know, like... Uh, janky at best um so i think i think they should leave the little girls dancing to dance moms if if she can manage if she can manage yeah if she can manage to stay out of prison they should leave it to her (laughs) yeah exactly right i don't want to see dance moms competition time no if i want to see dance moms i will watch dance moms so uh, i think the last thing that i'll say talk about is i don't know if you know but Ocean's Eleven is being re-released. Uh, sorry, not Ocean's Eleven. It's going to be called Ocean's Eight. But yeah, it an is all-female cast. All-female cast, right? The release date is June 8th, 2018. So for next year. And it's interesting. The specifics for the pl- plot are still really under wraps. Uh, they revealed yesterday, like, first look photos following about the log line so debbie ocean is sandra bullock she's attempting to pull off the heist of the century this isn't that always the way at new york, <laughs> at new york. To pull off the heist of the week yeah that wouldn't make a good movie no no it's got to be the century <laughs> uh it's supposed to happen at new york star studded annual met gala but that that's kind of cool because the met gala is the ish that's what everybody in new york all the stars are out at the met gala so i think that would be fantabulous well also that that works fashion into the mix and you know they're gonna have to have a cameo of anna wintour oh you know you know that i'm waiting for miss anna to be in there yeah sarah jessica parker they're gonna probably have to find a way to work her in there of course because you know she goes every year so they probably yeah will have that whole red carpet thing um and then like i said rihanna is going to be in there so there's some good stuff on tap for TV and for film. So that's what I have for news. 
Wow. It has been incredibly uh, eventful week in news, and we crammed a lot into that time. So, Tachi, what are you currently watching on television right now? I'm sure you heard all the huge news about the New Edition story. It was a three-part miniseries that was on last week on BET. Did you, you, I'm sure you heard all the... the I heard that there was a miniseries and I had heard it was getting good buzz, but for some reason I assumed that it was on Lifetime because... And oh, that was oh. another reason I decided not to watch it because Lifetime has been like swinging and missing at these uh, music biopics. Have been, they have not been good as far as I'm concerned. Which is exactly why they should have left it to BET. Don't have Wendy Williams producing any of these. <laughs> oh. have, I'm just saying. Oh, I'm no, just she- saying. Oh my God, you guys! She is she is cutting and hurting the Aaliyah story, which actually, to be fair, deserves to be hurt and cut. I don't know what Wendy Williams was thinking, getting involved in that horrible, that horrible, uh, I guess, movie. She's trying to keep you know keep herself relevant. This is what you do. You can't just be a talk show host. You also have to direct. You also have to have a production company, you, multiple streams of income. That's what, so she's like, all right, well, I'll executive produce. That was the wrong move, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, especially, for, especially with that project. That was such a rush job. And there's there's a reason why uh, uh, the, uh, that the family in that case, as well as when they did the uh, Whitney Houston story, they would have preferred to have a feature film because they try to cram so much story into we try to do a span of someone's whole life in 90 minutes uh, you know, because it's basically it's a two hour block, but 30 minutes is commercials. And so you can't cram all that story in it. And they make those movies on the cheap and they make them super fast. They literally shoot these uh, lifetime kind of movies are shot within a matter of a couple of weeks. So and it shows it shows. It does. It's actually about their model is just get product out. That's their model. You have to take time. I remember reporting this uh, when they uh, were talking about this new edition film, the first or the new edition story, this miniseries. First thing in my head I said is you better not mess it up because I can already see this going wickedly wrong. Wait a minute. Are the rumors true? Are you the candy girl they were singing about? <laughs> I shan't tell. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I do know this. Ratings for Scandal were down. Scandal comes out on, what is it, Thursday? Yes. So it's Thursday TV. So this debuted last uh, Thursday. Ratings were down. (laughs) No, sorry, it was Wednesday, I think. So ratings were seriously down for them. Now, can I uh, attribute it to this? Well, all I know is I saw a couple of times on social media um, if you're if you notice your ratings are down, that's because your gladiators were candy girls first. Ooh, that is rough stuff. So, yeah. uh, so episode uh, the part one of the miniseries aired on Wednesday, and part two aired on Thursday. Right, and then part three was Friday, I believe. Or oh, okay. So, yeah, so I would agree that that the hit that Scandal must have taken um, must have been due to the success of uh, of. Um, the new edition miniseries. It's the same way us thing that they were the phenomenon that was happening, uh, where they found that uh initially uh what was it called? Taraji P. Henson's show. 
Oh, uh, Empire. Empire. Empire was um, taking away viewers uh, from Blackish when Blackish was on uh, was on Tuesdays, and then they moved Blackish. Uh, I believe. Uh, I think they moved. If I'm correct, I think I, they moved Blackish to a different time uh, where uh, it was not going up against empire because it was being hurt by uh empire right exactly exactly um because you know empire's uh storylines that you know at the time were just so juicy that it's like okay i could watch blackish anytime so it's that whole live versus dvring all of that so anyway i was not compelled to watch this at first because i thought like you this was going to be another awful biopic miniseries and i was not in the mood I watched it because I started seeing someone to it. So I started watching it, but I think I was distracted. Then I said, all right, let me take time. And this past Saturday, they did, they ran all three parts back to back. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Wow. So good. It really, really was. So you know it's good if I'm saying coming from somebody like, I don't feel like watching biopics, this was really, really good. And to um, watch six hours of a biopic, is it six hours the whole miniseries? Yeah, I think it's about... Is it two hours each each uh, each episode or each part? You know, don't get me to lie. I don't remember if it was an hour or two. I think it was, no, each was the first two hours and then the next were one hour each. I don't remember. I think there were about an hour each. Okay, so that's four hours versus six hours. Yeah. But, I was, to be honest with you, I was going to think, is there really six hours of story here? Let's just be real. Oh, no, but there is. <laughs> there really is. There really is. It, it, I, I learned so much, you know, providing everything is true. Everything is, of course, debatable. And there are all sorts of things happening now that are coming out from announcements about what's up next for, for New Edition to Stacey Lattisaw's family being upset with Johnny Gill for what was said in the biopic, which I will get. Wait to. a minute. You got, okay. Yeah, wait a, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, was said? Oh, you want to know now? Okay. Yes. I'm not holding now. I'm not holding now. I'm not watching. I'm not watching four to six hours to hear what this juicy uh, uh, bit of detail is. Give okay. it to me now. Okay. So you know that Stacey Lattisaw and Johnny Gill used to date in the back in the day. I did not know that. Yes. And, you know, I think I remember something about that, but it came back when they talked about it in the film. So there was a scene in the, I don't remember, I think it was episode two, where Johnny, this is when, right when Johnny had joined the group, Ralph was not too pleased about it. There had been already some, you know, he wanted to go solo. They wanted him to do another new edition album, those types of things. So they brought Johnny Gill into the group. He was none too happy about it. Uh, then they get to this, they're in the recording studio and it's just the two of them and they get to talking. And so Ralph asked him, well, what ha what's up with you and Stacy? You guys were like the couple of the year. Johnny basically says something to the effect of her, you know, her family wasn't too happy with this and points to the color of his skin, indicating that they didn't like him because he was dark skinned. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So you know Stacy Lattisaw is is light bright. She she's very she's, she's very, very bright. Fair. She's very bright. She's very fair with blue eyes or hazel eyes or whatever. So she's got that quote unquote, I guess, stereotypical Creole look. <laughs> and um according to the movie, 
Her family was not too happy with that. You know, there's a problem with colorism in the black community anyway. And so now reports are coming out that uh, Stacey Lattisaw's family was not too pleased with that being disclosed <laughs> in the film. Wow. Now, okay. Stacey Lattisaw, the funny thing is, um, I first of all, I thought you were going to say when they were talking about her, they're going to say like, oh, that girl is poison. And that was the beginning of where that song came from. <laughs> I thought you, you were going to tell. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that, but okay, wasn't that? But then also, Stacey Lattisaw, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't she? Isn't she also involved in a controversy uh, about the um, uh, the movie Straight Outta Compton about the fact that they were kind of uh, whitewashed over the spousal abuse that she uh, endured uh, during her uh, relationship slash marriage? I think they were actually married. Her marriage to um, God help me. Uh, oh, Dre beats by Dre. Wait a minute, are you, Stacey Lattisaw was married to Dr. Dre? What? Wait a minute, am I? Or are you starting to confuse Michelle Okay, with... yes, I am. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now this is a new piece of news that I know nothing about. I'm going to have okay. to do some research on air. Just... <laughs> so clearly, I don't have my fingers on the pulse of 90s hip-hop. Okay? <laughs> Especially all the all the relationships that were going on. I do not know about it. Okay, you're right. I, I'm getting Stacey Lattice on Michelle mixed up. They both have light-colored eyes, I can see. <laughs> I, I thought they were the same person. No, Stacey Lattisaw did a duet with Johnny Gill uh, called... Well, they, she did, they did a couple... They did a perfect combination. They did Where Do We Go From Here in 1989. So they've had a couple of duets together because, you know, they were both solo artists. Uh, Johnny Gill was a solo artist before he joined uh, New Edition. And then what's the other one? LSG. Uh, well, you know what? After after this huge um, uh, mistake in blending these two women together, I can understand you, why you did not want me to be your co-host on Hip Hop Channeling. So <laughs> I was mad about it before, <laughs> but now it makes perfect sense. I don't know that you need I, to go with someone else. I don't know that I want me to be the co-host on Hip Hop Channel. Like I love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, anyway, where can people actually uh, still see the uh, miniseries now? Yeah, you can. Okay, so if you go to bet dot com, you can actually watch full episodes, all three episodes by uh, signing in. So if you have a cable uh, provider, all you have to do is sign in there and watch. It's also on demand on several cable providers. So you're going to go be able to go to BET On Demand and, and watch all the episodes. It's not on iTunes yet, but I'm assuming that that's going to happen because that happens with like episodes of Being Mary Jane, etc., to download for purchase. So, uh, yeah, it, it's readily available. You can still watch it. And in fact, they showed it. They did a repeat yesterday. So it's still being shown. Wow. They're trying to rack up the rating. And best believe there probably is a Boys to Men one coming and all these other. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a, another. They did one on Jodeci already, I think, right? Well, I think with the success of that, I wouldn't be surprised if Lifetime swoops in and also does a uh, a new edition and an in-sync miniseries and just get all the boy bands of every single color, just like start cranking these out if the people, if people actually keep tuning in. And they'll be terrible. 
the thing that <laughs> the thing that was good about this is that it was well thought out. I mean, from the casting, the casting was spot on. Blavity, uh, this awesome website, has 11 reasons why the new edition story was absolutely epic. We also got to see the raw truth. They, I mean, we saw the fight. We saw the uh, the rift that they had. It wasn't just the stories of, oh, they're beefing. We actually saw what happened to lead up to those beefs. We we learned a whole bunch of secrets that even hardcore fans didn't know. Also, now why they say why Chance the Rapper is anti-label. This is why, you see why the hell nobody wants to deal with labels or, you know, record companies uh, now. So those were just some of the things. Plus, you know, the fantastic wedding scene that they had where they came back together. It was great. So I would definitely recommend this. All right. Wow. And everybody knows that they can they can uh, go to BET and check it out. Yes. All right. It's time for this week's uh, show review. This week, we are reviewing a series of unfortunate events. Uh, it's the eight part, ep- uh, the eight episode, uh, Netflix series based on Lemony Snicket's children's book series of the same name. See, so the, we actually, um, for those of you who are new to our show, when we review a show, we watch the first two episodes of the show. So these, this is, I'm going to give a little bit of a synopsis of what we saw and then we'll just discuss so the narrator of the story the the opening patrick warburg warns us that uh not only does this story not have a happy ending but it doesn't have it doesn't even have a happy beginning or, or very many happy things in between after a mysterious fire destroys the baudelaire mansion killing their parents violet klaus and their baby sister sunny baudelaire are sent to live with their distant relative Count Olaf, played by Neil Patrick Harris, in his dilapidated Victorian Gothic CGI mansion. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) it was CGI. Unfortunately for uh, the Baudelaire children, Olaf is a cruel, scheming, unemployed actor who's only interested in getting his hands on the inheritance that the oldest Baudelaire, Violet, is set to receive when she grows up. Count Olaf forces them into a life of servitude that would make Cinderella's life with her stepmother seem like a vacation. Wow. One night... (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty rough. So one night, uh, the children prepare uh, pasta puttanesca with pasta they made from scratch, which is pretty nice, uh, for Olaf's theater troupe, only uh, for him to go into a blind rage because they didn't uh, make roast beef for dinner. When the children remind him that he never asked them uh, to make roast beef, Olaf slaps Klaus uh, in the face for complaining about the three siblings having to sleep in the same bed. Uh, the Baudelaire's attempt to convince the family banker and executor of their parents' will, Mr. Poe, uh, that Count Olaf is abusive, but Mr. Poe dismisses their claims and sends them back to Olaf's computer-generated home uh, <laughs> as, the, as the Count sets in motion his fiendish plan to take control of the Baudelaire fortune 
once and for all. So, Tachi, what did you think of uh, a series of unfortunate events? First, I have to say that these are the stupidest group of adults I've ever seen. <laughs> Every time something comes up, like, this is, has got to be fantasy because these are some stupid ass adults. <laughs> Anyone else, uh, child and family services would have swooped in and taken these children out right away. <laughs> to any place else. Well, one thing that go ahead. One thing that's in, one thing that's interesting about the whole thing is that it's not clear what year this is supposed to exist in or, or where this is supposed to be in time. I have no idea if it's supposed to be contemporary. We don't see any kind of computers or cell phones in the two episodes that we saw. The most technology I think that I saw in the whole thing was uh, somebody uses a walkie-talkie. Exactly, which is not. Uh, new technology, but there is something. Now, I have to say, I absolutely, Neil Patrick Harris is hilarious. You can see his theater training in this. He's hilarious. I love him in this role. There is, I watched three episodes because I liked it. So I watched wow. three episodes. And I think it's in episode three, we see a car. It's a 1970s car, but there's a car. So it led me to believe, okay, this could be kind of more modern and he just has an old raggedy car so there are automobiles so well at one point a character is in a phone booth she goes to a phone booth there's a character that's tied up and she manages to hop to a phone booth yes that's so i don't i don't know where she would be going into in 2017 where she could be wandering into a phone booth well, clearly, this is fantasy. <laughs> clearly. So that is Mr. Poe's uh, secretary. Who is, yes. I, I'm like, you are daft. Really? I, you've got to watch the third one because you're like, for real, man, when you see it. Well, for me, the brightest spot in the two episodes I watched, since I only watched two, Miss Conscientious went ahead and watched three episodes uh, <laughs> without giving me a heads up to make me look bad. Okay, in front of the audience. Anyway, um, uh, was Joan Cusack. It was so great to see her again. Um, I haven't seen Joan Cusack in anything in ages. And so I always enjoy her or her bright smile and effervescence and innocence that she brings to everything she ever does. Um, so and also I got a, I, I made fun of the of the of Count Olaf's CGI uh, mansion. The whole show has this kind of incredibly colorful storybook look to it, and a lot of it is, is CGI generated. The backgrounds are clearly uh, uh, green screen is used all over the place, but it all seems to work visually. It's it's it it all uh, helps to uh, maintain uh, that whole fan fantasy kind of feel of everything about the uh the show and also the set design is off the charts this is a beautiful show and um if for people that grew up with the books i didn't grow up with the books this must be incredible for them now one thing is i didn't think i was going to gravitate towards it or even like it as much as i did because of the fact that there was so much green screen and CGI. And it seemed to me at the beginning, that like the first episode, you have the narrator. I'm like, okay, this is too damn much explanation. I, I'm, I, could, I, I was feeling myself like, oh, okay. But as it goes on, it gets tighter 
and it gets better. I think the beginning could have been a little bit tighter. It felt like there was too much explanation and I'm like, I'd rather, I'd rather just have less exposition and just do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't need, I do. I, I, I rather, I would have rathered that. But one thing that really amazed me is how the baby that plays Sonny, she was just so calm and very quiet. I'm sure when they were shooting on set, she had her moments. But, you know, there are rules uh, per OSHA and per, per the labor department of how long children can actually be on set. So I don't know if she's a twin or they, they didn't indicate that in the credits that she was a twin. So so they weren't. So they, I guess it would probably be wrong for them to give her babies chewable Xanax. Uh, yeah. To keep her. Kevin. Okay. That would be really wrong. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. Or Benadryl or any of that other <laughs> people try with kids. But yeah, no, she was just so, she was very expressive. It was, she was hilarious too. You know what? No, oh, the baby was super adorable. Yes, adorable, fit right in. But you know, I'm also looking at the kids. I'm like, for you to be so brilliant, you're not as brilliant as I want you to be. So it, it really is a series of unfortunate events because when it seems like they should be able to get away and do something, they don't. When there could be something where I'm like, well, just shut up about the plan and don't tell this, uh, don't tell this guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you for for mentioning that, Tachi, because when there's uh, one point where the uh, the uh, son Klaus uh, figures out what uh, what. Uh, Count Olaf's evil plan is for his sister, yeah. and he goes and confronts him and tells him, "I un- I know what your plan is, and this is what your plan is, and this is why your plan can't work." And then Olaf tells him, "Oh yeah, it can work, and here's why." It's like you don't tell the villain that you know what their plan is, and, and these are supposed to be kids that are geniuses. Um, they are not very bright, and uh, at, even at one point when their little sister is in danger, and he is uh, Count Olaf has actually hung her in a bird cage yes. uh, in front of his house and just like you can't go to a neighbor or to uh, Joan Cusack and say like if you don't believe us about how evil uh, our account Olaf is look at how what he's done to our, our baby sister here look up she's point up at the sky and see how she's pointed there and she's in jeopardy right now that just but I guess you know what we have to remember this is these are children's stories and they're supposed to be I guess fanciful and and bigger than life and weirder than life or something Clearly. and not make a whole lot of sense. But you, you also, well, why couldn't you said, why couldn't they go to Joan Cusack? Cause she was also not playing with a full deck. <laughs> when she brings a whole, a lamb to them when they first get there and this baked lamb or roasted lamb. And she's Oh, well, could I just see the children? She, I'm like, can you not see that he's that he's shady and something's up and comes back with it and oh what did they say anything and he's like they don't want to see you did they say anything they said you put too much salt in the lamb and she just like believed him I'm like why are you believing this guy you're supposed to be a judge you're supposed to have some sort of common sense but just like the kids. Book sense, no comment. Well, yeah, because you know what? If his neighbor had actually been Judge Judy, those kids would have been rescued in episode one, and it would have been the end of the story. Thank so. you. Well, and you know, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, this 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 stupid stuff has to keep happening because the show has to go on. They have to stretch eight <laughs> episodes out of this. So if they figure out it, 
I, it just got me when Klaus was like, I know what your plan is with the whole book. This this evil guy could have stopped them from going to see the neighbor and getting booked. He could have done any number of things. But you know, I know what your plan is, and it's not going to work. You're going to do this, this, just like you said. I'm like, how foolish are you? I know you're a child. Yeah, so that there, there to me, there are definitely problems, and but it it speaks to, I guess, the imagination of it. You're supposed to kind of get caught up in the whole thing and not look at those kinds of, uh, to me, obvious plot holes um, and. For me, to be honest with you, I'm going to already cutting to the chase. I think a lot of it is for families to watch together and watch with children uh, and that children are going to love. I feel like for me, if if you don't have children that already love these stories, I don't feel like there'd be a lot there for them unless they just want to look at the beautiful imagery and the the uh, the set design is off the charts. It's just it's it is a feast for the eyes. But the story to me, I just was having a really hard time uh, getting into it. You really have to suspend have this suspension of disbelief <laughs> to really. Uh, uh, get into the story like it, but here's the saving grace to me of it. Neil Patrick Harris, because he's hilarious in this. He is just so colorful as a character, and the the comedic moments are spot on. He's hilarious. Well, you know, there's even like a, a, a he even does a big music number, yes. a big singing <laughs> oh, number, yes. but. But to be honest with you, I only wish I was having half as much fun watching this as he was having playing this. Clearly, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in his element, and he is loving playing this character. And I, I read as the episodes go forward, he's playing different characters. He's into uh, uh, Count Olaf is in disguise, yeah. and he's playing different people. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm, I'm sure he's enjoying every minute of it. But in the first two episodes, uh, again, I think he was having a lot more fun than I was. <laughs> A lot more, and but in future episodes, a free Woodard is going to be in it playing Aunt Josephine, and I love a free Woodard, so that might compel me to uh, like you know watch more episodes to see her in it because she's in two episodes according to IMDb. Yes, yes. Here's the thing: it's really difficult to believe as as an adult because they are based off of children's stories, as you said. As an adult, it's really difficult to look because we're looking at these things with logic logically what they did makes no sense mr pole is a complete not an oaf he's daft <laughs> he's just daft and he's just i'm like so yeah uh, daft you're being generous with saying <laughs> that mr poe was daft um how he got to be in charge of any kind of children's welfare is incredibly shocking um he needs to be fired from that bank and not be in charge of anyone's estate at all I'm like, these children are in terrible danger. But they don't help it either when they do all sorts of stupid things with their event. They're, they're, again, intelligent, book smart, but have no common sense. So... Okay. Well, at this point, at this point, I think we've got, it's time to wrap it up. So I want to know what are you giving this move? Uh, this movie? What are you giving? Uh, Lemony Snicket's uh, Tachi? Are you gonna uh, con- uh, continue watching, or or are you gonna change the channel? Okay. So I think that Neil Patrick Harris is one of the bright spots of this, I, and I love the baby. And obviously, I went past the two episodes. So I'm going to keep watching. 
All right, Tachi, unfortunately, I am going to be changing the channel. Um, I feel like the, the most unfortunate event was the fact that I had to sit through two episodes of this. <laughs> <laughs> that was very unfortunate. Now, nobody is saying this is on par with, with, with Roots or anything. Okay. No, I'm not, I didn't think you were claiming it was <laughs> that this was going to be this that this was uh, Emmy uh, worthy or anything like that. But I it was literally hard for me to sit through two whole episodes. It was it was pretty on episode two. It was getting pretty rough. I was thinking, oh my god, I could use a drink. Wow, it might be more fun drunk. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, well, it couldn't be less fun. So yes, <laughs> drinking might help. Wow. Well, that's that. That's a wrap for us today. Uh, so I'm so glad that we got to to talk about. It. I think this is actually kind of the first time we've really staunchly disagreed on a on a. I know. You know what? We're no uh, t- today. We're not TV twins. We are TV fraternal twins. Yes, definitely, definitely. So it goes to show that we do have some differences in our tastes, although mostly the same. So. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being an awesome co-host. Great to be here again for our eighth episode of TV Channeling. And we're going to have a ninth one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. And not only will we be, we'll be back, but we're also going to be uh, with we're going to be back with uh, more entertainment news. And next week, we're going to be we're going to be reviewing uh, the new CW show, Riverdale. Yes, yes. And this is going to be interesting because I actually, my sister actually lives in Riverdale. So it will be interesting. <laughs> Should we give some inside information on what's going on with Archie in the game? Maybe, maybe, maybe. So once again, we have to thank all of you for being here because you all listening is what makes it worth it. And Kevin, give a, why don't you give everybody our uh, handles for and our social media presence? All right, everybody. We are on. Uh, we're on every platform, pretty much you can imagine. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Snapchat, and we are on Instagram. And everywhere you look, we are known as TV Channeling. So please write to us and let us know if you have any kinds of questions for us or if you want to tell us about some shows uh, or anything you want us to actually discuss on the show. News stories or programs you'd like us to review, we would love to hear from you. And we'd love for you to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or any of the platforms. So please check us out. Absolutely. And you can also... Also, listen to us on a, in a couple of different ways. You can listen to us by going to tvchanneling.com, which takes you to Podbean. We are on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. And just recently, we are on SoundCloud. So you can find the TV Channeling podcast at any one of those four sites. Wow. I'm excited. We're on SoundCloud now. Yes, absolutely. So that wraps it up for us. We're going to let you get back to whatever it was you were doing before you were listening to us. So I'm going to say goodbye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, we're talking about it. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>